You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. thinking about what the whoo uh, that people that the Lord used but thinking about just some of the other little things that you may miss along the way okay so here in chapter number one in verse number 10 of first Corinthians it says this now I beseech you brethren by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that ye all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment all right, so that's good advice, uh, that the church have no divisions. Now, but continue reading in verse number 11. This caught my attention. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. And then he goes on to say what those are. But that just kind of caught my attention because, you know, sometimes in church you don't know there's there's gossip, not just in church, there's gossip in the world. Uh, but then what about this? Was Chloe in her household, were they gossiping about their church when they told Paul, hey, Paul, there's divisions over here. There's problems over here. The answer to that question would be no. They were not gossiping. There's a difference between gossiping and being concerned about the church enough to say, hey, hold on a second. Uh, Paul, you need to know that people are just di divided here in the church at Corinth. And they report it. And then I love the way Paul says uh, this. He comes and he says, uh, you know, number one, I've heard something. That's a lot of times how a rumor starts. But it wasn't, it wasn't a rumor. He said, I've heard something. And Chloe's house told me. Chloe and her house told me about it. Because Chloe and, Chloe and her house were concerned enough about the situation to where they weren't trying to uh, dodge anything and they weren't trying to start any trouble. They were trying to get help for the church. And so it just goes to show you a little bit. I think it could be a discussion that we would have a little bit more. But it goes to show you that there's a difference between gossip and reporting something that's a problem in the church. A division in this sense. And that just caught my attention. I'm like, man, that's interesting, isn't it? But he said, uh, hey, this comes from Chloe. And so I think it could be used for more discussion. What's the difference between gossip and sharing a problem that you're trying to fix? I feel like one thing goes back to what we've told our kids for the last uh, 24 years about tattletelling. I think that's a similar thing, uh, tattletelling. Um, We've, we've always taught our kids not to tattle. Our kids will get in trouble for tattling. Uh, I think technically our kids still get in trouble for tattling sometimes. But what is tattling? What's the difference? There's tattling, but tattling is not if your sibling is, in, is involved or getting involved in a dangerous situation. Doing stuff behind their parents' backs that is detrimental to them. as a, And when, so when, a, when a sibling comes and says, Mom, Dad, I just need to tell you, Here's what 
my sister or my brother is doing and I'm concerned about them. Uh, that's not tattling. That's, that, that's no more tattling than, you know, I, I, I mean, you could say like somebody using drugs. That could be an extreme example. Well, I didn't want to tattletale. You're not tattling. You're reporting. You're telling something that's of a concern because somebody needs help. And so I believe it's a similar thing when it comes to gossiping versus, hey, I've got a concern here. But I know as a general rule, uh, you know, we could talk a lot about the difference, but I just think it's worth pointing out that there is a difference. And I think a lot of times motive is the difference. I think that's one of the big differences behind when we say, hey, not sure if you're aware of this or not, but fill in the blank. Um, but many things when it comes to those realm of things, many things that we deal with can be, you know, when you're dealing with something, for one thing, I've oft, in, in general cases, this isn't in every case because sometimes things need to be addressed in a different way. But a lot of times when somebody for, at first wants to come talk to me about somebody else, one of my first thoughts is, well, have you talked to them? And it's really bad if you hear like they've talked to everybody else except that person, right? Uh, you definitely don't do that. But at the same time, so, so as a general rule, that's just not what you do every time. But there can be a time, and who's to say that Chloe and them hadn't addressed the situation or, or brought it to the attention of those that were causing division at Corinth anyway. But there is a difference there. So as a general rule, I know that one of the practices I've tried to have is, is if, uh, if somebody has wronged me in some kind of way, uh, most of the time I try to think to myself, is this something that I can just move over, forgive, and just move past? And if it is, then nobody needs to know about it. Uh, I don't tell my wife about things like that even. I mean, it's just totally between me and the Lord. And there was an old gospel song that said, go and tell Jesus on me. That's actually a good practice. And it sounds like, it's kind of, well, it sounds a little bit juvenile, but it is a great practice. Go and tell Jesus on me. And literally, I have done that. I have gone to the Lord and said, Lord, this person's saying this about me, Lord, and it's not right. This person is doing that. And I go to the Lord and I tell on them. You ever done that? That's the first thing we ought to do. Tell on them. Tell, tell Jesus on them. But then most of the time, it's something to where I can just leave it in the Lord's hands. But there's other times to where it's a big enough deal to where I can't quite get over it. What do I do in that situation? I pray about it. I may even fast. And then you talk to that individual. You know. But at the same time, that does, there are times that, uh, it, just like in the case of Chloe and her household, that... Um, they felt like it was, it was something that was causing enough division in the church that it should be brought to Paul's attention. So, anyway, I just thought that was interesting when I first, when I read that about a week or two ago. All right, so Chad and Doria are not here. Anybody want to take the, then we got the teens here today. Are they going to stay in here with me? I think they are. All right. So, uh, but the other kids can go back, all right? Uh, so the other teachers and, yeah, heaven's like, oh, man. No, Chad, uh, Chad and Dory are helping someone out this morning, and they may still be here yet before Sunday school's over, but uh, well, I, I, think, I don't think it's anything private. We could even have a word of prayer before we have Sunday school. It's uh, Gerald's mom, uh, Gerald Campbell's mom, isn't doing really well, and she's kind of had a week to where it's like she's been in and out of the hospital a little bit, and they sent her home, but there again, she's not doing good this morning, and so, so Dory... Uh, uh, is going over and kind of kind of trying to assess and check on her a little bit this morning. So pray for uh, pray for Gerald's mom. I believe her name's Dee also. 
but uh, pray for her. And we'll, we'll pray for her, and then we'll have Bible trivia. Barb, thank you. That's, uh, thank you, Veronica. Uh, Barb, uh, all right, Lord, we thank you so much for your faithfulness, and we do pray for Barb this morning. And I do just pray that you'll bless our teachers as they stand to teach and help everyone that's hearing and listening to the Word of God. Uh, I stand here um, and just and definitely, all, as always, just in need of your help and assistance. And I thank you for your faithfulness and your blessings, and we just pray you'll give uh, healing to Barb and give wisdom to those that are trying to help her right now. Well, thank you for that, dear Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, let's do Bible trivia right before we get into this passage. Um, we'll do Bible trivia. Hey, there's a, there's a great story told out there about uh, how that NASA found a missing day and blah, 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 and based on that sun standing still in Gideon. It's not true, so don't repeat it. Uh, <laughs> there's people that, uh, that hear that, you know, and, uh, and think it's great, but that's actually uh, was something that somewhere was just a legend that was added. But I'll say, I'll, I'm going to give an example. As we're in the book of 2 Corinthians again today, chapter number 8, 2 Corinthians day, chapter number 8, and... Um, Something that you're going to hear again from me, and I say that every time, but it's just worth mentioning. I, I was thinking, because I was thinking of the way, especially some of the backgrounds I know that some of us come from. For instance, I, I jokingly mentioned about Ezra, how the Bible says he preached from a pulpit of wood. All right? And then I joked, that wasn't a joke. The joke was, he didn't preach from a pulpit of glass. Because, as ridiculous as it may sound to some of you, uh, there are preachers that would think it was like only compromise or something would be preached behind one of the, you know, plexiglass pulpits or something. And so they would make a point that Ezra preached from a pulpit of wood. And uh, it's like, okay. And, it goes, and that's silly as all get out, but it still gives the opportunity to show again the, the point of things in the Bible that are, does anybody know what I'm about to say? Yes, all right. Uh, descriptive, not prescriptive, okay? And, uh, and that's an important biblical principle. Descriptive, not prescriptive. Because uh, just because, well, they did it this way, it's like, okay, so it describes them doing it that way. Are we, or is, is it instructing us to do it that way? And then there's nothing wrong if we say, hey, Ezra pre preached from a pulpit of wood, so I prefer to preach from a pulpit of wood. Nothing wrong with that at all. But it's when you start getting into these bunch of folks out there preaching from these glass pulpits. <laughs> yeah. And again, you, th you think nothing like that would ever happen, but you haven't been in all the places I've been to, I'll tell you that. Uh, but in 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, what an exciting, uh, what an exciting passage really. And, you know, I, I told you my struggles with it going into last week, uh, preaching about giving. But this week I'm just going to try to focus more on the attitude of the hearts of the giving of the... Christians in uh, the, the Christians, the churches of Macedonia. All right, so we're going to look again in Acts. I'm sorry, Acts. That's our text verse because our text, our title comes from Acts 20:35, to where Paul says uh, that our Lord said, "It is more blessed to give than it is to receive." And so, in Acts chapter number eight, again in verse number one, we'll read the first four verses to start off with. Here, the Bible says, "Moreover, brethren." We do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship 
of the ministering to the saints. So I am going to try to preach about giving, and it's a much, again, it's, it's one of those topics that has been really abused over and over and continues to be abused. But uh, I want to try to teach, one of the best ways to counter that is not to what preachers, including myself, if I'd be honest sometimes, do, instead of trying to correct the false teaching by teaching correctly, uh, we just avoid it altogether lest we be called one of those people. But, you know, it's exciting to get the opportunity to try to preach it and teach the, the proper perspective when it comes to giving. But we're just going to look at this example, because this is what God gives us. This is, uh, of all the examples and all the talk, and by the way, Jesus talked a ton about giving. Jesus talked a ton about money. Uh, and one of the reasons he did is we kind of were closing out last week. The, the, the love of money, uh, or I'm sorry, but money is not the root of all evil, right? Money is not the root of all evil. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. So the point being that I believe that one of the reasons Jesus addressed wealth so often, I mean, I think perhaps more than any one subject, or, and, and not that Jesus always was preaching, teaching directly about finances, but he would use them in his illustrations and so forth. But one of the reasons they're addressed as often as they are, I believe, is because God knows how that our heart can be taken by wealth or the prospect of wealth. Um, and so it, it's, it's a matter of the heart. So when we have the proper relationship with our money, because when we talk about money, today we're talking about giving, but the Bible actually tells us uh, a lot about money. It, tell, it, it warns us about getting in debt. It said you ought to run, uh, you ought, you ought to, uh, run from debt like a, like, a, what, like a gazelle or something runs from a, from a lion or something. <laughs> That's, I mean, it talks a lot about that, and it warns about debt. It, uh, it, it talks about saving. It talks about uh, um, it, you know, uh, leaving an inheritance for your children and things of that nature. The Bible has a ton to say about money that's, that could help you. You know, here we are going into the new year. I would encourage you. You know, you could look at uh, uh, Dave Ramsey. You know, that's the basis of what he teaches primarily is coming out of the Bible, the book of Proverbs and so forth and biblical principles. So the Bible has a lot to say about it. Giving is just one of the things that God has to say about money. But uh, in this, we learn about a, a church. And of all the, th the times we hear money addressed in one way or the other, this is the only example I know of. Well, I, I, I guess Philippians would be another one, but there's very few examples of God actually telling us what a church did with their money, how they, how they went about their giving. Uh, we read about it in Philippians, we read about it here, but it's, 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 it's both of the churches of Macedonia. And one of the things that we see here about the Macedonian church is that they had a passion for giving. You can't help but read these verses that we just read and realize that these people were giving from a passionate heart. Anybody remember the need, what they were giving to specifically here? What were they giving to specifically? You remember? Yep, the poor church in Jerusalem that, that had fallen into uh, persecution and deep poverty. Uh, you know, when, when, you, when you look at history, I love looking at parallel history with the Bible, you know, when you read, you know, for one thing, of course, you end up reading about, uh, about Nero, later about uh, Tiberius, and you start reading about, these, about the hate. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that the, that the Roman Colosseum was built off of the persecution of Jerusalem. 
uh, and the robbing and the gold they got from the temple and everything. That the, 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 the Colosseum in Rome was built upon the persecution of Jews in particular. And so those are the things that were increasing that was going on in this time. So the people in Israel, in Jerusalem especially, and the church in Jerusalem was going through a, specific, a very, very tough time. The idea is, is this church, the churches of Macedonia understood that, man, it was from the church at Jerusalem that God first sent, sent the church out and then, then to Antioch. But they understood, oh man, our brothers and sisters are struggling. We ought to help them out. Uh, we appreciate uh, how that God brought the gospel through them, and we want to help them out during their time of difficulty. So that was their, that was their burden there. So you see the passion. Um, so as Paul attempted, uh, and this is crazy, because what you read in these verses also, imagine this. this. This happened another time in Bible history. But Paul, this is a difficult situation. Because one of the things Paul did as he traveled around is he was trying to raise money for the church at, for the church at Jerusalem, for those saints. Uh, Paul also did take, receive support for himself. But he did not take from the money that was given to the church for, at Jerusalem. There was money specifically given to help him along the way. But then as he traveled, he was trying to get money to help support the church at Jerusalem. All right, so as he does that, he comes to these churches in Macedonia... And they're poor. And they're having a difficult time. Yet, before Paul leaves, they're like, here, Paul, we, 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 we want to give. We want to give. And Paul's like, uh, y'all need to keep this. Y'all need to save this money. I mean, you're, you're poor. The, the, the church is poor, which means the people are poor. You don't have much. You, you, don't, have, you don't have any luxuries. You're, you're, not only does maybe, maybe even the place they were meeting, someone's house, needed attention, but the individuals, the homes. And Paul's trying to say, you know what, guys? It's enough. And they're saying, no, no, no. We want to give. We want to give more. We want to give more. Now, some people may look at that and say, it was wrong of Paul to take this money from these people. But remember, he wasn't, he wasn't taking it like the televangelist and going buying himself, you know, a brand new uh, Lamborghini or something like that or a brand new mansion. No, he was getting that money and he was taking it directly to give it to someone else. He, it was just, he, was just a, he was just a conduit for this money. So he said, oh, you know what? If you want to give, and if that's what you believe God wants you to do, he, allowed the, he, he took the offering to take to that church of Jerusalem. But then he says, but man, I've got to tell you, they did that. And God just blessed them. And, and God gave more through them. And they were, they were happy because they weren't tied to wealth and they weren't dependent on that stuff. Uh, you, I mean, you know, again, here, here we are coming up on budget time. Can you imagine? Uh, but, but the church at Jerusalem, they're like, no, no. I mean, the church in Macedonia, they were like, no, no, we, we just, we want to give it all. We want to give it, all right? So, but, God, but then Paul says, man, because what I've seen is the more they give, the more God blesses them. And they're happy, and, and they, 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 it, God's given to the gift of their liberality. You know, and I, I, Richard had uh, talked about that the other week, how that sometimes we can almost become a slave to money. He said, but when you give, there, there's a sense of liberty and freedom and liberality there. So he took that money, and it, God blessed these people for that. And so we see their passion for giving. Now, where does this giving come from? Number one, it's developed by God's grace. 
It is the grace of God that gives us the ability and the desire to give. Uh, You will notice that Paul mentioned grace immediately in verse 1. Look at verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Now, a lot of times when we think of grace, we would be thinking, oh man, praise God, they must have got saved. Well, they they did get saved and they were already saved. But the grace that was given unto them is connected to their generous giving. In other words, they were were not giving. Their generous giving was empowered not by guilt. They were not guilted into giving. Has anybody ever experienced uh, somebody trying to guilt you into giving? This time of year you get it even more, don't you? Guilt you into giving, all right? But they weren't guilted into giving. They didn't have ulterior motives. But it was God's grace that, 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 that empowered them. Grace is a disposition in our heart created by the Holy Spirit of God. Interesting, sometimes the more blessed we are, the less likely we are to rely on God's grace. When we begin to feel self-sufficient, our propensity to give lessens. But when, we, when we, but when we are in financial difficulty, as the Macedonian Christians were, we tend to be more yielded to the Holy Spirit and more likely to ask for His grace. And, it, and it, it's, it's His grace that enables us to give generously. Now, grace isn't something that's manufactured. He said here, the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia. That means supplied or furnished. Furnished. Simply put, God gave them the desire to give. You know what the Bible says? God loves a cheerful giver. And that, that's, that's a good place to get to, isn't it? And that's, that's one reason why um, throughout the years here, one of the things that's known, if you've been here for the last 11 years, there's a, there's a good possibility that I've said more in the last, uh, last week and today already that I've said as much about giving in the last... Uh, what, the last couple hours, not even, or say hour and a half of Sunday school combined than I just about have in the 11 years that we've been here. I don't preach about it very much. But again, sometimes I believe that's to my detriment because uh, there's some of the things that people ought to learn that will bless them to, with, in, in terms of giving. But, but, but it's, it's not manufactured. And I'm just making that point to say that we don't do the guilt thing around here. And when we're preaching about giving... It's, it's between you and the Lord, uh, number one, what you give, because I sure in the world don't keep up with it, neither does anybody else. Uh, we have a, a secretary that keeps up with it for the sake of your uh, tax stuff at the end of the year, but those aren't things to where nobody's keeping score. Because one of the truths that we understand about uh, giving is when we give, we give to the Lord. And what's given is the Lord's. And I say that to say that, how many of you have ever been in churches to where if somebody gave more, they had more say? That's not an uncommon thing. Uh, Well, that's not biblical. Because when money is given, when that money goes into the offering plate, which we have an offering box, uh, well, that money isn't yours anymore. It's the Lord's. So the identity of it is not my money that I gave. No, it's like, no, this is the Lord's that I'm giving Therefore, you know, we could see it with the example of the widow's might, but the, the amount that somebody has or gives or anything like that doesn't uh, affect anything in the social standing of the church body, does it? Uh, and not at all, because that's, 
That's just something that's between us and the Lord. And that's, it matters between us and the Lord, but among others, it's not a thing that matters. Um, it's, a, it's a sad thing. Jesus talked a lot about partiality, didn't he? He talked about those that if someone come in with wealth, that they'd be treated better. Than the, and by the way, is that not just the way the world works a lot of times? But thankfully, that's not the way the church works because what we understand and value more than anything is people. We value people. We value individuals. Jesus never died for money. He died for souls. You know, so souls. Think about the value of souls. So as a, as a biblical and, and spiritually minded New Testament church, we understand when we look at somebody, we see value not in anything they may or may not have to offer. We see the value in the fact that they're a human being. We see value in the fact that they're one of God's creatures. They're one of God's uh, creatures. They're, they're, there's a, they are a soul for whom Jesus, number one, made. Number two, for whom Jesus died. Therefore, we understand the true value is people and not things or money or anything else. So, but, but the grace of God is what helps us to learn to give. I'm, I'm glad that, you know, as a testimony just to myself, I'm glad that I learned to give. Uh, as a young, just right after I got saved, I learned to give. That's, I was taught to give, and, and so I just began to give. And I've never regretted giving. Have I ever struggled giving? I have struggled giving before. Anybody else struggled giving? Would you be willing to admit that? Uh, how, how, about when you, how about when you first went, you know, from, uh, you know, and, and I was, again, I'm, here I go getting off, and I'm, try, I'm trying to make, just stay with my notes, and I feel like I can keep myself out of trouble better that way. But I just think about how e it was a lot easier, Danny, when I made, when the, the first time I made $200, it was a lot easier to put that $20 bill in the plate, you know, or, you know, add 25 or 30 for the offering. It's like, yeah, you know what, I can do that. Uh, but, you know, that first time when you get, you know, uh, uh, you know, whatever kind of, whatever kind of increase you might get, and all of a sudden it's a thousand or two thousand or something to that effect, and then you're just like, wait, that's two hundred bucks. You know, it's like, and she, some of y'all are looking at me like y'all. Don't judge me, all right. I'm just telling you that some of us have struggled when it went. But I'm telling you, you know what? God just keeps blessing, amen? And so you stay faithful. And, and I've not struggled every time because I just remind myself, you know what? God's been good to me. Every time I've given, all the time that I've given, God's blessed. And it doesn't mean that He always blesses financially. He blesses in other ways because, again, you know, we can get so caught up on thinking money's worth something. And money's worth very, very little. God doesn't need our money, by the way. God's not up in heaven saying, boy, I'll tell you what, I'm not sure if I'll be able to keep the light on much longer outside if, uh, if they don't put their offering in today, you know. Uh, because there again, God is not interested in your money, and I'm not interested in your money. You know what God's interested in? He's interested in you. And what He understands is if, if He can help you and I have a right relationship with money, then we can have, uh, understand uh, my term of speaking, He can have... Uh, more of us. I was going to say we could have more of him, but you can't have more of him if you're saved. But he can have more of us. And the more of us he has, the more joy we can have, the more peace we have, the more of those things we have. All right, look at verse number 7 with me. The Bible says, Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and in utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to see us, see that ye abound in this grace also. Paul pointed out to the Corinthian Christians that even as they had other spiritual qualities by God's grace, 
they should also have this quality of generosity. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, that's going ahead of chapter, but it says this, And God is able to make all grace toward you, or, or uh, all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. So we praise God for His amazing grace that saves us. But His grace also sustains us to live the Christian life. The grace of God was so bestowed on the churches of Macedonia that they not only gave, but they gave liberally. Which just means they gave gener generously, ge uh, with a lot of generosity. Far from being self-seeking, they had large hearts with an openness to help meet the needs of others. In this passage, we see an incredible equation. Poverty plus the grace of God equals generosity. Poverty plus the grace of God equals generosity. So they were poor, but they were generous. They were poor, but the point we're working on, on right now is that they were passionate. They were passionate. They were determined to give. In other words, they understood that possessions and, and money wasn't everything. Um, again, I mentioned already some givers are motivated by guilt. Some are motivated by greed. But spiritual givers are motivated by grace. That's a good statement. I'll say it again. Some givers are motivated by guilt. Some, I mean, some are motivated by greed, but spiritual givers are motivated by grace. Guilt. We know what that is. Well, I better give. You know, I know they're keeping up with it, and if I don't, blah, blah, blah. Or, or, or you know, you're just pressed and pressured into giving. No, that, that's not, that ought not to be the, the motivation for giving. Uh, the other motivation shouldn't be greed. And I, th I think it's interesting, don't you, that if you think about it, is that not a little bit what like the, tele the, the health and wealth and televangelist people are trying to do? Give. Give me your money. Send me your money. And if you do, God's going to bless you with riches. Ooh. Man, I'm signing up for that. Guilt, greed, but no, the right motivation is grace. Grace. See, guilt-motivated giving uh, may produce finances, but it will likely also produce bitterness. It will li likely also produce bitterness. Greed-motivated giving creates unrealistic expectations. When people give because they want to obligate God to materially give back to them, then they miss the joy of giving. I'm going to read that again. Guilt-motivated giving may produce finances, but it also produces bitterness. Greed-motivated generates unrealistic expectations, and they get disappointed when God doesn't give back to them materially, and then they miss the joy of giving. God does promise to give to those who give, but it may not be in financial ways that He returns our giving. God wants His people's giving to be motivated by the Holy Spirit's prompting in our hearts. An illustration of grace-motivated giving is seen with the widow. In Mark chapter 12, verse 41, here's what the Bible says about the widow. You may not, some of you are familiar with this story, some of you aren't. Mark 12, 41, And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples, and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast in more than all they which have cast into the treasury. 
For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. So the Lord was observing the treasury and watching people give. And just as He is aware and interested in our giving today, there were many that Jesus observed who were giving with showiness and pomp. Many of the great, uh, many were given great amounts of money. But because they were wealthy, they hadn't given sacrificially. But the poor widow gave differently. When she cast in her two mites into the collection, she gave a tremendous amount of what she had. She gave all of it. And this widow displayed that grace giving and what grace giving, giving is all about. She wasn't giving out of guilt so that Jesus would notice. She certainly wasn't giving out of greed, thinking that giving her only resources would force God to give her more. She simply loved God with all her heart, so she gave all by the grace of God. Real giving that honors God is giving that is motivated by God's grace bestowed in our hearts. Generous giving to the Lord is developed by God's grace. So the passion of their giving. And I think I'll pause right here for a second just as we think and observe their giving, the widow's giving, to say this, as I'm thinking about this, number one, it's, the, it's, it's giving by grace. And it is grace that's, and, and it's motivated. What God is the most interested in, again, I've said it already, it's not about your money, it's about you. And if you're, in a, if, if, if you're an individual, or I'd say to people who really haven't surrendered other areas of their life, this isn't the first area of your life that necessarily needs to be surrendered. What really needs to be surrendered is just a heart saying, you know what, Lord, I just want to serve and honor you. That's my goal. I want to serve and honor you. Lord, I've, I've trusted you as my Savior, and I want to give my life to you, and I want you to be able to use my life and work through my life to bring glory to your name. That's the main thing. And this giving stuff just happens to be one of the things that comes along with that later on. But again, it's not about the giving. It's not about money. Um, so it's a passion. It's a passion. It's demonstrated by God's people. Ah, oh, boy. Uh, in this particular case, now again, we're talking about descriptive versus prescriptive. Just because these Christians gave everything they had does not mean that we need to give everything that we have. That's not what, and just because the, the widow gave everything she had, that doesn't mean that God is telling every one of us, yep, just whatever it is you have, just give it. All right? Um, but I would say this, be willing to give, be, be willing to give trusting the Lord. Be willing to give sacrificially. Be willing to give above and beyond. Um, you know, I understand the wisdom of budgeting. I understand the wisdom of budgeting, so don't misunderstand me in that. But sometimes God may challenge you beyond your budget in the sense of, you know, oh, well, man, I was, uh, you know, just, just say there's a, a need for a missionary or something. You know, you've budgeted out, this is how much I make every month, this is how much I'm giving, this is how much I'm giving to missions. Bam, it's, it's cut and dry. That's fine. That's good. That's fine. But maybe somewhere along the line, God challenges your heart and says, you know what, I, there's, there's somebody in the church with the need, or there's a missionary, or there's whatever need. Oh, man, you know what? That doesn't really fit in my budget. Doesn't really fit in my budget. Well, in, that, in, in the situation like that, I think we put God before the budget and say, you know what, Lord, I believe you're laying more on my heart, and maybe you're smart enough to budget and say, well, I'm going to put a little bit extra, give, give room in my budget for something like that. 
I don't know. But what I'm just simply saying is, uh, be willing to be sensitive to the Lord and giving uh, beyond. Uh, demonstrated by God's people. Oh, boy. Okay, so a couple of different things here I'll try to point out. Well, you know what? Maybe let me pause for questions and clarifications, Ralphie. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Right. Okay, I, I think I understand the question. I think it's a great question, by the way. Uh, how were these people poor? Well, they were, I believe they were poor in all the ways you just stated. I believe they were, many of them were being persecuted where they were, they were homeless, they, in the sense that they were losing their homes through persecution. Many of them were being forced to leave uh, Jerusalem and the surrounding areas, uh, or at least later they were. But I know that, it, that in the short term, they definitely were struggling with food, clothing, all the necessities of life. And I would say... And let's see if this answers your question. I would say that the way that giving to help those people and how that would further the gospel is that, you know, God doesn't need our money because God owns, uh, you know, he owns a cattle on a thousand hills, as the psalmist said. And then I heard a country preacher said he owns the taters under the hills. And so, you know, he owns it all and he's just fine, right? Uh, but, the, but the thing is, is he's, but there's going to be enough people. He definitely uses it. And he may not need yours today, but he's going to use other people's because God is, there's a thing, there's a human, I don't know if it's not really the human willingness principle, I don't think that applies to this, but the idea that God wants to bless and help people and he uses us to be a part. Now the way I think it furthered the gospel with the church of Jerusalem is, if it strengthens and helps the individual members to be able to eat, uh, have clothing, have, have, have the bare necessities, then it would also then enable them to continue to minister and to have a church at Jerusalem, to continue to preach the gospel, to continue to, uh, to, to where maybe they're not having to disperse as eventually they, many of them did uh, throughout Jerusalem, but it's given them the opportunity to, for the church to be there and to be sustained. So I think that'd be the direct answer to how that church would be helped. And it's just like with Paul. Uh, 
Yeah, well, then our money today, good, good question. I mean, it is. And so, again, it's for the furtherance of the gospel. It's for the function of the church. You know, I mean, it's from, you know, I would say, I mean, is that, I don't know if this is going to turn into a budget meeting or not, but, uh, but basically, uh, you know, we got the bills of the church. Uh, we've got, uh, th- then you got outreach of the church. There's, uh, there's paying me uh, to, uh, to be, uh, and, and not, again, I- I've said this before. Uh, I was preaching here before the church was giving me anything, and, and, if, if, we, and, if, and, if, and if at the meeting this year, just, just to make a plain statement, if at the meeting this year it's just like, yep, we can't give you anymore, it's just like, okay, uh, then I'd go work again and then come here and preach. <laughs> Um, and I wouldn't visit, and I wouldn't study as much, I wouldn't visit as much, and I wouldn't study as much, um, but I would be here to preach, as long as y'all would let me do that, but, but there, there again, it goes to, I mean, you know what it goes to, I mean, you know what, you've seen the budget, yeah, Yeah, but I, I, Ralph, I think it's a, it, it's a better question than I'm giving an answer for. I'll say that, and it's a good question. Um, but I believe it is for the idea of the furtherance of the gospel. And I think, and even, okay, even look at this, though. Okay, think about this. Uh, we're in a stage right now to where we have money that's going into this building, right? Uh, and this building, this building is the house of the Lord in the sense that we've, it's been designated, set aside for the worship of the Lord. Now, uh, how is it furthering the gospel to uh, spend money on a nice bathroom, you know, or to, to update the bathrooms? You know, nobody's going to walk in the bathroom and just be like, this is a nice bathroom, I believe I need Jesus, right? <laughs> That's not the way it works, but what it does work is that we do have a, we, we live in a place and we have, the, we have the ability to do the updates, but also what it does is it helps give a, a, a good representation, if you will, of what God's doing. I mean, uh, this is a place, this is something that God's really working, this is something that God's really doing, as we can do that. Now, again, uh, you don't have to have money, you don't have to have bathrooms, period, for God to work. But since we do, and in our society, that kind of stuff matters, and so, you know what? We're able to update, and I believe it goes to the furtherance of the gospel, uh, in a sense. We're not trying to have, you know, oh, we're going to have the prettiest place in town. Well, to what end? And I believe, that we, I believe since this is the place that represents God, that it ought to be as nice as we can uh, possibly make it. Uh, but at the same time, that doesn't mean that if the, if, the, if the time came to where it's like, well, give to missions, yeah, but man, we need to update the bathrooms. It's like, well, no, we're going to get, we're, souls come ahead of that, right? Outreach. I mean, uh, if, if it's between outreach and updating the building, remember, uh, the early church didn't even have a building. They had somebody's house or they had fields or they had whatever, um, but that is one of the things I would say. And by the way, for those of you that don't know, we have a lot of new folks, but we, every year, and we, we're, we're very open about the finances here. And the church has, a, again, equal vote on what's being done with the finances and all that's very, try to be very transparent with what goes in, what goes out, where it goes, and so forth. But that's right, it goes for the work of the gospel. And ultimately, if we're keeping the ministry of the gospel first, then then we're doing the right thing in that. Um, so, and, and, you know, a couple of the things that the Bible mentions in particular, 
You know, you think about talking about helping the poor. Well, I can't, man. That's, that's a, this is kind of a can of worms here with six minutes left. But uh, I do believe in helping the poor. But then it's a, it's a struggle, isn't it? Because at some point, um, a lot of organizations, based on Christian principles oftentimes, uh, again, the New Testament changed the world. There was not charitable organizations before Christianity in the Bible. Um, but th that changed, all right? So in, in our world today, there are poor folks, and, there's, and, and so the Bible says that poor and widows and fatherless, uh, those are things the church ought to look out for. And there's a time when the church exclusively looked out for those people. But now we live in a time to where many of those people are taken up by, I mean, there's, we, we live in a society that's, uh, there's assistance out there. And I think the church still ought to help, but I'll say this, I guess, this is a weird place to end, but on, to Ralph's point about helping people, and again, Ralph said he, he I know Ralph, and I know Ralph's heart, um, and sometimes when, sometimes when you're trying to help people, there's a difference between helping and enabling, right? The difference between helping and enabling. And I know ultimately we could do our due diligence and still enable somebody unintentionally. Um, but when, you know, I've, I've, I've used the example before, but when you have people that uh, don't have money because they've blown it, you know, it's like, it's like the dude I used to work with. And, uh, man, literally, Matt, poor guy, he had, he had, he had gambling problems. And, uh, and he, it wasn't uncommon for him. Every once in a while, he would go, man, on, he'd get paid on Friday. Man, he'd be at my house on Saturday because he didn't want to go back to his house. He was married, had two kids. He gambled. He'd lost every bit of what he made on Friday. Can you imagine that? Now, the man's got kids, and so I'm not going to say, well, you know, stinks for them. You know, stinks to have you as a dad, I guess. You know, I mean, I'm going to try to help make sure those kids have food, but I'll tell you one thing. I ain't going to give up money to go buy them kids food because he just blew his whole paycheck. I don't trust him that he's not just going to head straight back to the casino with it, right? But I will give food to try to help that, that, those kids out and, and, uh, and maybe do some other things to maybe even try to help, help keep some things on. But in the big scheme of things, to give, to give money, to, and that's an extreme example, but there's times that you are enabling people when you're trying to help. But I'll say this, I think there's other times to where, to where I've given and just been like, you know what, I really felt like the Lord wanted to give in that situation and you know what, I feel like I followed the Lord and whatever. But did you know they just went and re got their, t their cable TV turned back on with that money? <laughs> no, please don't tell me that. But, uh, but no, I think, I think there's times that the, the, the giving thing is tough when it comes to some of those needs, but the Bible talks about uh, those needs in particular, you know, and, at the, at, and I'll just tell you right now, the three things that the New Testament mentions specifically about giving, or the three things that it says to to give to specifically, uh, is the poor, we mentioned that already, uh, the poor, uh, widows and fatherless, uh, missions is in there, because they were given to Paul in his missions. We read about that a little bit in Philippians and a couple other places. And then also uh, the, uh, the, the pastor. And again, I hesitate to say that, but it's just what the Bible says. You read chapter 9 and you kind of read it, read that in there. But those are the three specifics that the Bible says. But then we look at what are we trying to do? We're trying to further the gospel, right? And so uh, in order to do that, it really, really does take money. That's all there is to it. But we're not asking for nobody's money. 
I'm just telling you what God said, and people give, and God's always taking care of this church very well because people do have a giving heart. But uh, anyway, weird place to end, but I've got to end. And I kind of want to finish this, but I don't think I will. I'll, I'm thinking we'll start on something else next time. But uh, anyway, all right. Well, let's uh, be dismissed in a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your word. Uh, I pray, God, that hearts will be receptive, God, and understanding of, uh, of and, and especially, God, just through my, my stumbling and stuttering and stammering, that you would take the truths of your word and just, uh, I sure pray that nobody gets the wrong idea in connection with what I'm trying to teach from your word. Uh, and I pray that you would help us to just, just for our hearts to be right and just help us to understand that ultimately what you want is us. You're interested in us. Uh, and help us, God, as a church and as a people to be interested in people. Not what people can offer, but who people are. And to love them right where they are, God, and to be faithful just to show your love as you've shown it to us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All righty. God bless you. You're dismissed.